Hi there, hi there. Okay, let's take it away a little bit. Um, I was thinking, though we still, I mean, believe it or not, but I guess we're about a week away from Rosh Hashanah. Um, <clears throat> so figured even though hopefully we'll be able to meet next Wednesday too, but maybe it's worthwhile to talk a little bit about Rosh Hashanah and about this time period in general. More specific about the time period, not specifically about Rosh Hashanah. So these days are referred to as many days. They're called Yemei Hadin, the Days of Judgment. They're called Yemei Ratzin, which means... Um, hmm. <laughs> called Yemei Ratzin, which means um, the days that Hashem desires us. There's many days, names given to this time period. <clears throat> One of them is called... Uh, these days are called... Actually, I was listening into a call... Um, with the Surgeon General, I think that's who it was, of uh, America with Rabbi Hauer from the OU. He's the Executive Vice President of the OU. And they, had, they were having a whole discussion about the high holidays. Or has Rabbi Hauer uh, pr pronounced it the high holy days or holidays? I don't know. That was the first, I think it was the first time I'm hearing it like that. But... They are called, nonetheless, they're called the Yamim Noraim, which is loosely translated as the awesome days. The awesome days, that's actually when, um, when the Chazin takes out the Sefer Torah, he says, <clears throat> Shema Yisrael, Hashem Aleikeinu, Hashem Echad, and everyone responds, <clears throat> Shema Yisrael. And then he says, Echad Aleikeinu, Hashem is one, Gadol Adeinenu, our master is great, Kadosh, he is um, Kadosh Shemai. His name, Hashem's name is holy. But on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, we say Kadosh Vinoira Shemai. Hashem's name is holy and it's also awesome. That's maybe connected to why we call it Yom Neiroim, awesome days. But I saw a fantastic idea which also um, helps us in understanding what these days are and how wonderful these days are. When Yaakov, uh, let me, I, I have a little thing over here. Let's see, yeah, here we go. One second. We're gonna do a little bit of a shared screen over here. So we're gonna get really fancy. Any marks? Get ready. Here we go. Okay. So whoever's able to see that, just so that, because the Chumash, we're gonna be referencing a few things throughout, so it just will be easier. When Yaakov <clears throat> Avinu, was traveling from his house to Lavan. He was running that's away cool. from... That's By the cool, way, right? that's very cool what you're doing. I like that. He was running away from Esau, from Esau, and he was going to find a wife. So he went, he was traveling, and then he turned around and he came back, and he ended up going to sleep where the Beis Amikdash stood, currently what we call Temple Mount. That's where he took a nap. He went to sleep because the sun set early. <clears throat> and in, that, in his sleep, he saw a vision, a vision of a ladder going from the ground all the way up with angels going, coming, going up and coming down. And Yaakov wakes up, the Pasuk says, Vayira Vayoymar, and he was frightened, and he said, Ma noira hamokim hazet, 
How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. Yaakov saw an astounding dream, a wondrous vision. And the term he used to explain his, um, his, what he went through of this vision, he said, How awesome is this place? Now, <clears throat> the Ksav HaKabbalah, which was written a, number, a few hundred years ago, he explains that what Yaakov meant was like this. What Yaakov meant, excuse me, was, that I had a vision. This is the first time that Yaakov is having an avua on this level, a prophecy on this level. And he said to himself, he said, I am not worthy to have such a prophecy. So how did I have such a prophecy? It must be that the place that this is, is a, a, a place that can not only, um, not only, is in itself holy, but it can also pass on some of that Kedusha to me. And therefore, that's why I was able to experience this vision. So what term did he use? Says the Ksav HaKabbalah, he used the term of Noira. It's awesome. Why? What word do you see in the word Noira? If you just change one letter, actually the letter is actually hinted over here. Hinted. If I put an Aleph before the Vav, I take out the nun. What letter do I have? What word do I have? I have the word R. What does R mean? Light. What R does and what light does is that it shines up not only it itself, it spreads light. Yaakov said, this place is an awesome place, but it's a place of noiro, meaning to say, this place is representing, represents light. This place brings light. And it allows me, though I am not worthy, it spreads the light in the sense that now I was able to experience such a high-level prophecy and nevur. That's what the Ksav HaKabbalah explains, what Yaakov said, how awesome, meaning how awesome in the sense that it represents our light. And I was able to experience that even though on my own, I was not able to experience it. Says, Reb Mordechai Shapiro, who was a Rav in, in Miami, um, a number of, he passed away a number of years ago, he said, maybe that's the pshat. We call these days the Yomim Noiroim, the awesome days, because there's judgment. But you know what else? During this time period, it's Yemei Rotzen, it's days that Hashem desires us, Hashem is close to us. And when Hashem is close to us, it's like there's an R, there's a light that permeates this time period, that even though on our own, maybe we're not worthy to certain levels of closeness to Hashem, we, 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 we miraculously, so to speak, become worthy of it, not because of our own doings, but because the atmosphere, the place of the days of Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, there are days that Hashem is here, and it's an awesome time that His light shines and allows us to experience that and reach levels that maybe we would not have been able to reach without them. That's why when we think of these days, we think Yom Naram is awesome days, we must remember that in the word Naira is also the word Ar, is also the word light, because it's shining a light on us.
that's shining a light and allowing us to be even brighter and reach even greater heights. That is one point <clears throat> that I wanted to share. The next point I wanted to share actually has to do with part of davening on Rosh Hashanah. Let me do this share screen one more time. Hmm. Hold on a sec. Okay. Um, okay. Here we go. In this, this is actually part of the, the Musaf Davenik. Okay? In the Musaf Shmona Esrei, in the Musaf Amidah, Silent Shmona Esrei, and Chazar Sashats, there are three different portions of the Davenik. There's Malchias, where we discuss Hashem being the king of the world. There's Zechroinus, the remembrances that Hashem remembers all of our actions, all of our deeds and thoughts, and he remembers Yitzchak, the Akedah, and those merits. And then there's Shoifras, where we discuss the importance and the power of the Shoifar and how that has to do with the day of Rosh Hashanah. After that whole process of saying all the long and lengthy verses from various parts of the Torah, we end off the, the, the bracha like this. It's, I'm sorry it's not as clear as the other one, but you'll bear with me. Sorry? Here we go, right here. Ki ata For you hear the sound of the shoifer. Umazin teruah. And you give ear to the teruah. Ve'ein doi meloch. And none is comparable to you. One more time. Ki For you, Hashem. Shoimea kol shoifar, you hear the sound of the shoifar, umazin teruah, and you give ear to the teruah, ve'ein doi melach, and it's not similar to you. <clears throat> there is no one, there is none that's similar to you. So the Primagodim, who wrote one of the major commentaries on the Shulchan Aruch, asks the following question. Why is it that in the one Part and one portion of the davening, we change, we use basically two different synonyms, or would seem like synonyms, within one pasuk, within one bracha. We say, Ki ata for you hear, like Shema Yisrael, hear, O Israel, right? Ki ata kol shayfar, you hear the sound of the shayfar, umaazin, now the word maazin means, here it says you give ear, because in Hebrew, the way, the way you say that word ear in Hebrew is, I see you mouthing it already, Sally, is ozen, is ear, right? Umazin teruah, and you give, meaning you listen to, you hear the teruah. Why are we using a different terminology of hearing, a different synonym of hearing for kol shoifar, that gets shoimea, and mazin gets for teruah? That's one question. A second question he asks is, why does it say over here specifically, and there is no one similar to you? We know that there's no one similar. That's what we have. We say in the beginning of every Amidah, every Shemona Esser, we say, um, Meaning, who is like you? Meaning, no one is like you, Hashem. So why are we mentioning that over here? So the Prima Godim says, 
a very interesting thing. He says like this. In Parshas Ha'azinu, it says like this. Ha'azinu ha'shamayim, listen, O heavens, va'adabera, and I will speak. This is talking about Moshe Rabbeinu was the one doing the speaking. Ha'azinu ha'shamayim, listen, heavens, va'adabera, and I will speak. And let the earth hear the words of my mouth. This is Moshe talking, and we're going to get to that soon. Yes, Steve, you're muted, so I we can't hear you. Sorry. Why is he saying, listen, O heavens, as opposed to listen, Hashem? So that's a good question. That's a good question. Um, the short answer is he was, he was basically, just like we have two witnesses in a court of law, he was using in whatever way he was doing that, the heaven and earth themselves as witnesses for what he was going to say. So that we'll get to that maybe when we talk about Ha'azinu. But Moshe is saying, listen, Ha'azinu Ha'shamayim, listen, O heavens, Ba'adaber, and I will speak. And let the earth hear the words of my mouth. Again, Ha'azinu and Sishma, two synonyms of the same idea. Ba'yishaya Hanabi, Isaiah, he said like this, Shimu Shomayim, hear, O heavens, the Ha'azini Eretz, and give ear the earth. So again, over here, when Moshe said it, he used the word Ha'azinu for the heavens and Sishma for the land, whereas when Yeshaya said it, he used Shimu for the heavens and Ha'azini for the land. And the Primagodim explains, based on Chazal, the idea is like this. Moshe was talking from on high, from a level higher than what we could imagine, a level closer to the heavens than to the earth. When you say the word ha'azinu, you're specifically talking about that because it's ha'azinu, listen with your ear because you're close by. I'm like talking to you in a close, per, um, um, close, Something, I forgot the word. Proximity. Proximity, yes, exactly. Order. Thank you. In a close proximity, Ha'azinu Hashemayim, listen, O heavens, why? Because I'm close to you. This is Shema Ha'oretz, and the earth, which I'm far away from, let them hear me too from far away. That was Moshe. Whereas Yeshaya Hanavi, he's standing on the ground, and he's closer to the ground than he is to heaven. And therefore he says, Shimu Shemayim. Hear heavens, because that's from far away. And let the earth hear me, because he was closer to the ground, and therefore he uses that synonym. Is that clear, the idea? When you're speaking close to something, when you hear it close by, you use the terminology which associates oizen, the ear, ha'azinu, the ha'azini eretz. Whereas when you're talking far away, to somewhere far away, you're... you're, you're projecting your voice, so to speak, and they're going to hear from further away, you use the word v'sishma ha'aretz, the land will hear, because Moshe was going from way up to down to the earth, and Yeshaya, Isaiah, was saying shimu shamayim, because he was on the earth, and he was projecting it, so to speak, up far away to the heavens. Is that clear? I only see some of you, but, yeah? Okay. If it's not, you'll unmute yourself and let me know. Okay, now let's go back to our, uh, where was it? To uh, the other, to the Machsa, what we say in Davin. Says the Prima Godin, listen to this. <clears throat> we know that there's 
there are two basic sounds of the shofar, which really equals three. We're not going to get into exactly how it equals it, but it's basically tekiah, which is the long sound with no breaks. And then there's teruah, which it's a question whether it's three um, medium size, medium uh, sounds, or is it nine small ones? We're not going to get into the, the, the uh, details of what the question is. But bottom line is, there are two basic sounds, tekiah, teruah. In fact, um, Rosh Hashanah is also referred to as a yom teruah, day of blowing the shofar. That's how you say blowing the shofar. So again, there's tekiah, which is the koil shofar. That's referred to as kol shofar, which is one long sound. And then there's teruah, which is broken up sounds, which represent wailing or moaning. Okay, that's the shavarim. The three short sounds is moaning. And the nine um, very short ones is teruah. That's like wailing. Okay, now look at, the, look at this now. Ki because you, Hashem, shoimeya kol shoifar. You hear, now, now with the knowledge of understanding what shmiya is, that is that when you're shoimeya, is from a distance, right? Moshe said, listen, sishma um, ha'aretz, um, because Moshe was speaking far away from the land. So when it says, ki shoimeya, when you hear, you know, that the next part that we're saying Hashem hears is referring to something from a distance. What does Hashem hear from a distance? Koil shoifer. The sound of the shoifer, meaning the tekiah, the straight sound. Uma'azin, and you listen with your ear close by, teruah. What do you hear? You hear the teruah close by. So why is it using two different synonyms not just because for poetic license, but rather, says the Prima Godin, because when it comes to the tekiah, which is the long one sound, that Hashem hears from a distance, that's shemeya. But when it comes to the teruah, that's close by, umaz in teruah. Now, what are these two things representing? The tekiah represents the tzaddik. The tzaddik who doesn't sin ever, or if he does, it's by mistake. He doesn't sin. That's the tekiah. It's a straight line. He's always doing good. For that, says the, says the, the Prima Godin, Hashem hears it from a distance. Ki kol you hear it from a distance. But, teruah, which is the broken pieces, the people that have challenges, the people that are in difficult situations, the people that are, unfortunately, and that includes all of us, not living up to what we should be doing on our level, but none of us are. Besides using 30 or 4% of the brain, we also could do a lot more, right? So in this area, we are represented by the teruah, by the broken up pieces, the moaning, the wailing. Ay, 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 ay. Where is that? Umaz in teruah, Hashem hears us from close by. That's why it says shemeya with regard to the kal shoifar, because that's the tzaddik. But with regard to the person who's dealing with struggling, he's struggling. That's the teruah, umazin teruah, Hashem hears it from close by. That's why it says umazin. Now, if you asked a king, you went to the king or the king of uh, a monarch, whatever, wherever there's a monarch that actually has power, and you ask him, who do you like better? The good, law-abiding citizen who keeps a low, prof- low profile, maybe you don't even know who he is necessarily, 
but he just pays his taxes. He does honest business. He does what he's supposed to do. He's basically a goody two-shoe, as we used to call him in school. Do you like that kid better, those, those citizens better, or do you like the guy who's breaking the law and causing trouble? Which one do you like more? Which one would you like to be in closer proximity with? The king is obviously going to say, I would like to be with the law-abiding citizen. I don't want to be with the people that are in trouble. But Hashem says, from by me, it's the opposite. When I have a tzaddik, he'll take good, fine. When it comes to the person who's the teruah, when it comes to the person who's struggling, the person who has challenges, umazin teruah, I want to be close by him. I want to be right next to me. And therefore, since Hashem has that midah, that he takes us, the struggling and troubling children of Hashem, and he says, you come close to me, you stay with me, next to me, and there is no one like him. It's specifically over here when we see this manifested, that Hashem is keeping the tzaddik at a distance, so to speak. Yes, he'll follow the laws, he's doing what he's supposed to do, that's great and wonderful, and Hashem loves him. But the teruah, the person who's struggling, and with his struggles, he's looking at the goal and he says, that's why I want to go, I want to go to you. Hashem says, I'm right next to you. I'm here helping you. Umazin teruah, I'm right by listening to your teruah. I'm in your close proximity. And there is no one like him. That is why there's the difference. And that is why at that specific place we say, V'ein doyme loch. Now, being in close proximity with Hashem actually has a lot of perks. You know, when a person has to um, go through a medical procedure, naturally what we all do is we say, I want the best doctor. I have to go through under, under the knife. I want the best doctor. And we'll do research and we'll ask this person and get that person and get referrals, right? Good. Let me ask you all a question. When was the last time before getting onto a plane, whether it's Southwest, American, United, El Al, or whatever it may be, when was the last time you said, well, before I book this flight, who's going to be the pilot? Do they know how, to, how many years have they been flying the plane? Why don't we ask the same question about who's going to be flying the plane, just like we ask who's going to be doing the surgery? You ever thought of that? We, we say thank you at the end. But why don't we have to pay the same attention to the pilot as we do to the surgeon? The answer is pretty simple, actually. Because when I'm under the knife, the surgeon knows that my life is in his hands. And that's it. My life is in his hands. When the pilot is flying the plane, he knows that my life is in his hands. But guess what else he knows? He knows that if he does something to take away my life, he's taking away his own as well. That's why, of course, he's going to take care of a good flight because he doesn't want to get into an accident either because he knows that if he's negligent when it comes to everyone else's life, he's going to be negligent in his own life as well. So when the driver is with you in the same boat as you, the driver will take more care and see that everything is going well, right? Now we know, Hashem is with us 
in every challenge, in every situation, in every pain, Hashem is with us. Nelson, are you saying something? Yes, I'll say that the reason why the pilot, the reason why you're not afraid is because you know that the airline vetted the pilot before they're able to fly their plane. That's a good point. That's a good point. You do have a good point. <clears throat> That's true. I'm not going to argue with that, and I hope that they do a good job. But additionally, there's this other factor that his life is, in, is on the line also. <inaudible> Hashem is with us in every time we're in pain. <inaudible> in every time that we are enduring pain, loy. <inaudible> Tsar, to him, to Hashem also there's pain. So Hashem is the driver. Hashem is with us. We see Hashem is with us when we're struggling, and we see Hashem is with us when we're in pain. That means that Hashem has got it under control. We may not understand how it's under control, but we know that the driver, yes, he's been vetted too, but he's also in this together with us, and therefore, we can rest assured. You know what they say? There's a, um, actually, Rev Gifter was a Shiva of Tells in Cleveland. He had a daughter. He had a daughter who lived in Yeshiva Lane. Her name was Mrs. Eisenberg. Mrs. Eisenberg, Schleimis Eisenberg. And her husband, when he was 62, he passed away. He was sick for a while. He was sick for like a year, maybe less with uh, cancer, and he passed away. And it was very difficult for her. She had a, ch- a different, one of her youngest, or her second youngest child, or her youngest, I'm not sure, had severe, severe mental retardation, and he basically wasn't living at home for, I mean, I, for most of my, when I was growing up, he was not at home. He was at a, in New York, in an adult uh, facility. Actually, Rabbi Monk now works at that organization. It's called OHEL. Um, a different one of her children had other learning, severe learning disabilities and challenges. One of her children got married. Um, didn't have any, it was a very, she, she had a brain tumor, just very, very challenging. Her son actually, after she, she passed away a couple years ago, her mother is actually still alive. Rebetzin Gifter from Tells. I believe she's still alive. She's in her 90s, in the mid-90s. She used to have, anyways, she, kids are, what I'm saying is that she had a very difficult life, but she had a sign in her kitchen. And it used to say like this, don't tell Hashem how big your problems are. Tell your problems how big, how big or great Hashem is. Don't tell Hashem how great your problems are. Tell, tell your problems how great Hashem is. And it's such a fantastic line because when we recognize that he's in the driver's seat and he has it under control, then those problems become a little bit, wee bit easier understanding that. Hashem, we are to my beloved. I am to my beloved and my beloved is to me. Hashem is with me because I'm a teruah, because I'm struggling. Hashem is with me because in every and every pain that we have, Hashem himself endures pain. We're in a time period when we are close to my beloved, to Hashem. And finally, the Pasuk says, Hashem 
Hashem was with Yosef. And then commentators ask, Hashem was only with Yosef, he wasn't with the other Shavatim, the other tribes, with Reuven, Shimon, Levi, Yehuda. What do you mean he was with Yosef? He was only with Yosef? And the commentators explain that Yosef, the other brothers were all in safe situations. They were with their father Yaakov. They were living there. Yosef was the one who was in Mitzrayim. He was surrounded by challenges. By Yehi Hashem as Yosef. Hashem is with Yosef more so, yes, more so, than the other brothers. With all of this put together, that Hashem is with us because of our struggles and our own personal challenges. That Hashem is in pain and He's with us when we're in pain. He's the driver. He's going to take care of it. He's going to be under control. When we're with Anila, that we're in a time period of being in close proximity with our beloved, with Hashem, and the fact that we're surrounded by challenges, physical, spiritual, we're just surrounded by challenges that we can apply for sure by Yehi Hashem, us. Hashem is with us on such a level. Hashem is there. Hashem is there. Hashem is there. As the Kotzker used to say, where will you find Hashem wherever He's let in? We have to see and realize that Hashem is actually with us. He is. He's keeping a close eye on us, as challenging as it may be. You know, there was a story of a fellow who was a terrible miser. He didn't give a nickel to charity. He didn't give anything. He was a miser and a miser and a miser, and he was well known as the miser of the town. Now, one day, this miser went on a, a swimming trip to the lake that was near the town, and he was swimming. He wasn't such a, I guess, he didn't want to pay for swimming lessons. He was not such a, a good uh, swimmer, okay? And he's out there, he's going deeper and deeper, and then he's, you know, trying to tread water and everything, and then he realizes that he's actually, he's, he's uh, drowning. He's, he has no way to get back. He can't swim back. And it started getting very windy, and the water was just moving him around, and he was, he was about to drown. And a fellow saw him drowning, so he swam towards him. He said, give me your hand, give me your hand. And the miser looked at him, what, are you crazy? You know I don't give anything. So the fellow said, okay, take my hand, take my hand. And the miser said, okay, I'll take. He takes his hand. And the uh, Good Samaritan brings our friend, the miser, back to shore. In davening on Rosh Hashanah, we say, the Pasuk describes Hashem. You, Hashem, give a hand to the sinners. Hashem says, okay, you don't want to give me your hand? Fine. I'll give you my hand. Just grab onto it. Take my hand. All we got to do is stretch out our hand and grab onto Hashem. You know, Rabbi, there was a fellow here uh, last Shabbos by the name of Rabbi Slatis. He was coming to um, try out for the position of Rosh Kolol, for the Kolol actually. We were supposed to have the third candidate come this Shabbos. He called me yesterday. He lives in Detroit. He had gotten Corona already, Pesach time. He didn't have antibodies. But, okay, we were going to work out how he could come. We'll figure, I'll take a test, whatever. Anyways, he calls me up yesterday. He says, it's Chavrusa, second Seder in the afternoon, who he learns with every day, just tested positive for Corona. 
So he has to be quarantined for two weeks. If the quarantine ends right before Rosh Hashanah, because his last exposure to him was last Thursday. So right before Rosh Hashanah is when his quarantine's over. But what that means is he's not coming to Shabbos. Anyways, so Rabbi Sladis was here this past Shabbos, and he was one of the candidates. He was very impressive. And he spoke, and he said a beautiful thought. And I want to share it with you, because I think it ties right into this. We're going to go back to this sharing over here. All right, here we go. This is actually, a, it's, a, it's words from a famous song also. It's a Mishnah in Yuma, and it says like this. Omar Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva said, Ashrechem Yisrael. How fortunate are you, Israel? Lifne mi atem mitaharin. Before whom are you purified? Do you mean, do you purify? Umi mitaher eschem. And who purifies you? Avichem shavashamayim. Your father that is in heaven. Now again, Amar Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva said, Ashrechem Yisrael. How fortunate are you, Israel, B'nai Israel? In front of whom are you getting purified? And who's purifying you? Why the back and forth? In front of whom are you purifying? And who purifies you? What do you mean? We know how to purify. We go into the mikvah. What does it mean? In front of whom are you becoming pure? And who's making you pure? So he said like this. How does a person, if a person becomes ritually impure, what does he have to do? He has to do one thing, and one thing only. I'm talking in general. I'm not talking about, let's say, if it was to that body, he has to have the paraduma. I'm talking in general. The general impurities, he goes into the mikvah. But who's doing the purification? You know who's doing the purification? Hashem. He doesn't have to do anything. All a person has to do is go in. He goes in, the purification happens, Hashem is the one who's doing it. All we have to do is just go in. Once we're in and we're good to go, but it's not us who are effecting the purifying. Hashem is the one who's doing that. And it's only us going in. Meaning like this, I'll give you an example. For kapara, if I want to get atonement, I have to bring a karma. So I take the animal, I lean on the animal, I shech the animal, I accept the blood, I take this, I sprinkle it, I take that. The whole process with tahara, with purifying, all we have to do is be surrounded by the water. It's actually a question even. Do I have to knowingly go into the water? Meaning, let's say I'm just in the water. Is being in the water enough? Or do I have to go into the water? It's being in the water. Hashem is the one who's effecting the purification we just have to be in there and ready for that to happen. Let me share with you one more thing before I let you go. In the davening, in Slichus, we say, and we say it in part of davening of Rosh Hashanah also, we say like this, V'satzileinu Hashem, please save us, Mikol Gezeros, Rois Vachzarius, from all evil and, and terrible decrees, Kilachalavad, because to you alone, Einenu Teluyos, our eyes are pined, we're, we're looking towards you, our hope is only in you. The reading of the words, I'm going to say it again, 
v'satzileinu and save us from any tragedies and evil decrees, ki, because l'chol levada and enetoluyah is, because only to you is our hope for salvation and our eyes are towards you. By reading that, it sounds like that there's cause and effect. Since our eyes are turned to you, Hashem, therefore save us. Well, if we're deserving to be saved, we'll be saved. If we're not deserving, we won't be saved. What does it mean, is because our eyes are only towards you, Hashem, therefore save us. What does that mean? So there's a pasuk that says like this. We're going to do this shtick one more time. And this, that's the last time for the night. Here we go. Cain and Hevel, two first, the two sons of Adam and Chava, right at the beginning of creation. Hevel and Cain have a little bit of an argument, and Cain kills Hevel. Hashem comes to Cain and says, where's your brother? And Cain says, am I my brother's keeper? Right? Yeah, he is. Anyways, um, so Hashem says to him, you're going to get killed, basically. Taking away my hashkocha, that's it. And Cain says to Hashem, but if that's the case, then anyone who sees me and finds me is going to kill me. Meaning, since I'm not having the hashkocha anymore, someone's just going to kill me. So therefore, says Hashem in response to Cain, Hashem, and the Lord Hashem said to him, Lochain, therefore, call Hoire Kain, you come. Whoever kills Kain, vengeance will be wrought upon him sevenfold. So, this is the word, the key word, Lochain, therefore. What does it mean, therefore? What it means, therefore, is, the, and the commentators explained this, the, the, uh, Arachayim says, the Arachayim says, Arachayim HaKadosh, the Holy Arachayim says, lived 500 years ago, he says, Lachain, therefore, what's the therefore? Since you said, Kayim, that it's, if not for the Hashkocha and the supervision of Hashem, I'm just going to be killed, and whoever finds me will just kill me out. Lachain, therefore, since I see that you have that Amuna, even though maybe you're not worthy yet, you didn't do tshuva yet, but since you believe that it's only dependent on me, therefore I will give you a special hashkacha that you will not be killed. Whoever kills you, well, vengeance will be wrought upon and basically was going to live for seven generations. Lochem. He, he wasn't worthy. But even though he wasn't worthy, he was able to get the special hashkacha. When B'nai Yisrael were leaving Mitzrayim, they were leaving Mitzrayim, and they come to the Yamsuf, to the Red Sea. And there's a huge ocean in front of them. And they turn around and they see an army of Egyptians coming towards them. They're caught between a rock and a hard place. What are they supposed to do? So what do they do? They cry out to Hashem. And Hashem says to Moshe, Ma titzak elai, why are you crying out to me? Daber al Yisrael, speak to the Jewish people. And they should just go right in. What does that mean? 
Says the Arachayim. Pirush, meaning to say, this is the tried and true um, advice. Lahagbir to make stronger the side of mercy and chesed uh, from Hashem, kindness. Yisrael, speak to the Jewish people. They should become stronger in their faith in Hashem and their trust in Hashem. With their whole heart, and they should go right into the sea. Before it splits, says the Arachayim, why? Basing themselves and depending on their faith in Hashem, that I, Hashem, will make for them a miracle. Meaning, Tell the Jewish people, strengthen yourselves in belief that I am in control and I'm going to save you. Now, and by way of this, the mercy will become stronger. Meaning to say, says the Arachayim, the Jewish people at that time, in fact, the, the, the Red Sea did not want to split. It said, I have idol worshippers in the Egyptians, and the Jews are also idol worshippers because we served idols in Egypt. So why should I split? But Hashem said to Moshe, speak to the Yisrael, and they should go in, they should go forward, meaning not that they should be foolhardy, but they should trust that I'm, by them going in, I'm going to take <laughs> care of them. When Hashem tells us, have faith in me, and through you having faith in that merit, I'm going to take care of you. But as is Hashem, we should all merit to be able to come to that realization and it's a difficult one but you know what i sent an email out to all of the uh i'm not saying that i'm on this great level i'm trying to especially after i prepared today but i sent an email to the board of the kolal and i told them this news that the third candidate wasn't able to come which by the way is not just another week it means that we're set back by a, over a month mm-hmm. from our whole process because what we were planning was to have all three candidates come we'll discuss for weeks and figure out who we should choose to further discussions with. <clears throat> now, we can't even do that yet because we haven't seen the third candidate. So we, we can't really give the other two candidates the, you know, the, the time and everything like that to move forward. And I said, if not for the fact that I understand, it's not just mensch tracht and Gott lacht, man plans and Hashem laughs. No, Hashem is the one in control. Why this happened doesn't make a difference. That's the reality. He's the one in control. If not for that, it will be much more difficult for me to deal with it. But by us recognizing, even if we're not necessarily worthy on our own, but recognizing Hashem is in control. Hashem is the one driving the plane, flying the plane. That, as Hashem, will bring more merits to allow us, in fact, for miraculous save, saving or whatever it is from all of our troubles. Have a wonderful Shabbos, and thank you all for joining. Leslie, I know you see you unmuted yourself. What's up? Rabbi, thank you. Thank you. Yes, your co-op. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.